This is the I Went Down to the River podcast. I'm Dan Walton, and I will sit down with fellow alums and talk about what it meant to be a part of the Hawken football program and wear the wings. We share stories of friendship, memorable games, funny moments, and how football made us who we are. You don't need to be on a bus for these tangs. Now let's go down to the river. Today's guest is class of 2004 quarterback linebacker and was a captain and old board recipient his senior year. He is currently a math teacher at our high school and is the head coach for the varsity girls basketball team. He's jersey number seven on the roster. Pleased to have David Murray. David, welcome and thanks for joining me on this trip down to the river. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. We're uh, we're about 24 hours from spring break, so so that's always always a great time of the year. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Exactly. David, I want to go ahead and start, and I want to ask you what your first Hawken football memory is. So when I think about my first Hawken football memory, um, it, it would have to be. It'd have to be, I guess, seventh grade and sort of my first experiences playing football at Hawken. Um, I, I'd gone to Hawken prior to that, but had always played on my church's team in the CYO league um, because Hawken didn't start any football activities until seventh grade. So, so when we got to seventh grade and, you know, now we were starting interscholastic sports, um, I think... I think sort of the memory that that elicits is the ability to go out there and practice every day and, uh, and play with, you know, all of my friends that I went to school with, you know, I had played before that, um, with my buddies that I went to church with, but to be able to play with the guys I went to school with day in and day out, um, was, was awesome. And, you know, there's also the, the, I guess the new feeling for me when we started in seventh grade was playing for my school versus playing for my church. All my buddies went to the school, you know, where we went to church. Um, but for me, it was the experience of, you know, wearing ties on game day, wearing your jersey around school. Um, it, it was a whole new cool experience. Yeah, that's an experience that I was, uh, I was not a part of. I did not play on a team prior to seventh grade. So I only have that sort of that look into what the football program is at its earliest entry point when I was a student. So I'm curious um, what you thought of that transition from playing in the CYO league to then coming to Hawken and playing in the middle school for our team. Well, the transition was amazing. Um, and I'll tell you for a simple fact is that when I played CYO, I was a guard and then when I got seventh grade at Hawken, I was quarterback. Um, so when I was in fifth grade, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a big guy, but I think I grew early. So when I got to fifth grade um, and we had, we had sort of an A team and a B team for the joint fifth, sixth grade. So you had the gold team and then you had the blue team. Um, well, as a fifth grader, and this is my first introduction to, to tackle football, I was put as the starting left guard. Now, of course, I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, I, you know, I can throw the ball all over the place, maybe a running back or whatever. Um, but at that level, especially if you have someone who's big but can move a little bit, you know, any sort of traps 
or counters you're running, a lot of times you're left guard. So that's where they stuck me. But then when I got to to seventh grade, we sort of had this idea of open tryouts for positions. Um, and I was able to start playing quarterback. Oh man, it was it was a whole new world. Um, you know, there was days fifth and sixth grade where practice had been a slog because I was just, you know, bashing heads all day every day. Um, but to be able to start and sort of have that experience was was awesome. So so the transition wasn't, I wouldn't say there was a huge difference in terms of the skill or sort of the, you know, the practice schedule and stuff like that. Um, but for me to get out of the trenches and uh, behind center was awesome. So it's your classic left guard to quarterback matriculation is what you're saying? Right. It's, it's you know, when they talk about like, you know, the draft <laughs> coming up and stuff like that, those guys who can successfully transition from left guard to quarterback project very highly. Yeah. So I'll probably hear either Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay talking about Trevor Lawrence by way of left guard. Right, exactly. <laughs> left guard transition to guys who are able to progress through the reads. Guys from the right side of the line are typically the, the one read quarterback we're hearing about. <laughs> That's exactly right. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, so as you get from middle school to the high school and you become a part of our varsity program, um, Talk about the things that you really enjoyed about playing football at the varsity level versus things that either you didn't or were just found as sort of that challenge that weren't as enjoyable. I think that, you know, it's it's a situation where time and perspective and maturity changes your appreciation of things. And transitioning from the middle school um, to our credit, you know, I'll be the first to admit all the things we did stupid and wrong in middle school, but it was actually a situation at Hawken where I, I think we were allotted 40 minutes a day to practice. Um, it was insane that we could even put together a team, let alone a competitive yeah. team with the restrictions we had on practice. Yeah. Because not you're talking 40 minutes. That's also getting from your last class in and out of the locker room to the field, warmed up, and then uh, factoring in the end of practice. I mean, it was yeah. absurd before we extended the amount of time that we give our middle school sports. Yeah, we actually, you know, it's probably the only time in my life um, we actually went to the coach and we said, hey, we'd like to practice more in their time, you know, in August, at least leading up to the school year. Um, where we just get the guys together and come on out and at least, you know, play touch football or whatever um, to practice more. But but then transitioning into the high school, I, I can say what immediately stands out, you know, thinking about that is, um, is playing football in high school at Hawken to that point in my life was the most demanding um, and the greatest sort of time and energy requirement you know, the biggest ask that, that I'd ever had. And I think, you know, we can look at it now with this sort of perspective again, as time has passed. Um, well, it's, it's no, you know, it's no irony that it was also sort of the, the experience that has had the longest lasting and, and the greatest impact on me from that point in my life. Yeah. I don't think you're alone in, uh, in saying that. Uh, what would you what would you say were some of the things that you in in sort of using that maturity that you talked about, using that maturity to look back on your four year experience at the high school and thinking about the things that just 
were sort of like the the drag, you know, the thing that really either were the hardest to get through or sort of least enjoyable? Was it uh, was it the summer two a days? Was it the grind of you know kind of week to week getting ready for a new team and staying healthy and mentally there, or was it something else? No, I, th- I think it's a lot of those things. You know, I think that, um, you know, getting into sort of a strength training program, um, we, you know, they still have it going on. A lot of us freshmen came in and we did the summer health thing. So we'd go and get into the weight room after our summer health classes. Um, you know, what was nice is there was a group of older guys who would come in at that same time. Um, so me and a couple of the other freshmen, we'd sort of see that, but, but at that point, um, I think for the vast majority of us, it was kind of going through the motions. It was writing down numbers and getting there. Um, you know, but that, that, that wasn't too difficult. I, I think it was really buying into the expectations that, you know, you're sort of, if you want to maximize what you're getting out, uh, you've got to be all in. And, and, and I can tell you, I remember real, real distinctly. Um, so it was going into ninth grade and we always had, uh, printed, published death chart, death charts outside of, you know, the, the, the football office, outside of coach's office. Um, and my freshman year, we had a senior, a junior, and then there were two of us as freshman quarterbacks. Um, so this was, this was probably the second, second week of August because we had finished two a days, um, but just, you know, a regular, Weekday practice as we're getting ready for week one it was probably a week or two off. Um, I ended up again being 14 or 15. Um, I was late to a practice. I had played golf with a buddy in the morning, but I couldn't get a ride out to school. So I'm sitting here already. I'm only a few weeks in and I'm freaking out. Well, I get to practice about 15, 20 minutes early, um, go through practice, did my 5% afterwards. Well, I came into school the next day and that name was now number four on the depth chart. <laughs> and I remember sitting there like, man, this is like, you know, this, this is no joke. Um, so just the commitment and the expectations, everything that ultimately made it what the experience was, I think as you're adjusting to that, if you haven't had prior experience with it, um, it is, is, you know, is difficult and can be challenging in a lot of ways that ultimately lead to growth. Yeah, nicely put there. Um, So your freshman year was 2000. Is that correct? It was what the 2000 season. Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, So your freshman and sophomore year, we had a nice little string of uh, postseason runs. I'm interested. Um, what upperclassmen would you say had a pretty big impact on you, whether it be on the field or off the field or a mixture of both? You know, I guess I'll start with that is that when I look at kids now, I think one of the biggest difference is that there was there was such a age dependent hierarchy when I was in school. Um, and while you developed relationships with kids who are a couple grades above you. Uh, it's very different than it is nowadays. Nowadays, I see tons of freshmen, seniors, all, all these kids who are, who are really, really good friends. Um, but for me coming in, what, yes. What do, you, what do you put that to? 
why do you see that as something, you know, 15 years later, um, that it's sort of changed that because I, I completely agree with you. I've seen it also. Um, I agree. So when I was in the program in the nineties, and then as I came back as a coach in the beginning of the two thousands, I see exactly what you're talking about. You're right about that hierarchy of, you know, there's a definite senior, junior, sophomore feel to it and freshmen, if they were a part of it. And now it's not the same. And I'm curious if, uh, if you have a reason for why you think that's the case. You know, I, I, I've never really thought about it. I don't know what it's, or if it's directly attributable to like one thing, I, I think part of it is, um, I think part of it is, is more cultural. You know, there's a shift, like, you know, um, a real push to be inclusive and making sure that everybody feels welcome. Everybody has a voice and a seat at the table. Um, you know, we, we could go totally cliche. I, I guarantee you social media has something to do with it. Where I was, I was just going to flash my phone in front yeah. of the screen and go, I think this has a little bit to play with it. If, if we're not in class together, but you're throwing out, um, you know, what snaps or posting on Instagram and we're communicating, we can like, and this, that there, there's at least on some level an interaction that probably wasn't there before, you know? Agree. So getting back to, um, to upperclassmen who had the biggest impact on you. You know, it's interesting when you say that, because, uh, so as you mentioned, first two years, we had combined, uh, three regular season losses. And both years ended up losing to, you know, Chanel, St. Peter Chanel in the playoffs. Um, I'd say my freshman year, you know, the biggest impact wasn't, you know, we had a player who went to UVA. Um, we had guys who put up, you know, all Ohio stats. Um, I think for me, um, if we're going to go, we're going to, are we, are we throwing names on the pod? Yeah. The more yeah. the merrier. Um, you know, it was, what's, What's nice is actually, I think it was two summers ago, I got to see him with his family up at the new Van Aken. Um, one, one of the most impactful seniors when I was a freshman was Arun Koda, you know, class of 2021 or 2001. Um, so part of that was just his personality. Um, I think that in some ways, like he was more of like, we talked about uh, the social structure that there is right now. Um, no matter who it was, you know, he's somebody who brought everybody and made everybody feel that they were part of things. Um, then there's also just the logistical things that he kind of lived near me in, in the Heights area, you know, nearby East suburbs. Um, and he would, he would give me a ride home or he'd give me a ride out on a short Wednesday. Um, but, but back then, and it's, it's something I kind of wish that, that our kids these days would be able to experience. Um, when you're coming as that freshman, there was that intimidation level for a senior, especially as big, you know, and he, I don't know what, back then he was like 500 pounds to me, but he's probably 240, 250. Um, yeah, that's accurate. They had a bunch in that class that were uh, oh, 250 and up. That was to, a big to, line. To have a guy like that bring him, you know, bring me under his wing and just, you know, sort of uh, include me in things and, and look at you sort of, you know, wanting you to be a part of it. Um, was, was something that was super cool. Like you sat back then, it was like, man, like this, you know, that, that make your day. Yeah. So, I mean, as that, uh, Im impressionable underclassman, there's a lot of things that could possibly sort of alert you to an upperclassman yeah. that in a positive way. And you're talking about 
an upperclassman in Arun Kota who sort of took you under his wing. He's got a great smile, great laugh, loves to just, you know, have a good time. Yeah. And so he wasn't like, hey, I'm a senior, you're a freshman or you're a sophomore, but it was all about including everyone. Yeah. There's also the positional player where you right. start off who is the upperclassman that is just the model of example, just goes yeah. through the drills the way you're supposed to, is essentially in lockstep with that coach on that side of the ball or positionally. Or there's that member of the team that is not in your position group who is just such a hard worker and such right. a, a verbal and visual presence. Um, so it's interesting to hear the type of upperclassmen that certain people tend to be drawn to. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, David, what was your favorite tradition? Favorite tradition? Um, man. So, so now I'm, I'm going to answer quickly here and then three hours later i'm going to sit back there no that that wasn't it um what was favorite tradition my favorite tradition as i've said before on the pod is i really loved claiming the field i loved i loved when the captains would get the dirt from our field we'd board the bus and we'd show up at someone else's field and we'd claim it as ours that was mine yeah as somebody who has some OCD tendencies, uh, <laughs> I like that as well. I claim the exact same way and same spot for four. So years. tell me about this because this is a big this is a big ask on the uh, pod. Is guys that either really like that tradition or remember it? I yeah. want to know what their method was. Yeah. So so we would always you know toss the ball in this and that. So so Tom Murphy, I'd throw him into the end zone. Now now I was going back for the goalpost. Uh, but Steve Cavanis, who was the class of two thousand three, so he was he was a goalpost man. So I I get there freshman year and he's already doing whatever there. So I went to the back inside pylons. And again, this might be the OCD. I went one step out and then one step to the side. And that's where I gave a few, few sort of wipes right there. And that was my spot. That's not OCD at all because (laughs) in talking to guys, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of times it's about the Jersey number. So for me, it was going to all four corner pylons of each end zone and taking my three good steps because the number three, I wanted to take three away from each pylon. Uh, Other guys do a very similar thing. And then you have like the knuckleheads who just, like, let's get to kickoff. I don't care about any of this other yeah. stuff. And they're just chucking it over their shoulder like it's salt at a restaurant. Um, how, how, how about how much judgment you and I secretly and not so secretly had for the people who just slapped their mud wherever? As I'm sitting there cringing, like, I saw, <laughs> I saw you last week, dude. You didn't do the same thing. Hey. You kind of have you, you kind of want to let them have their individuality. And like, listen, if it's not if that's not important to you. That's fine. Yeah. It, it better not affect you come kickoff. Yeah. So if you're just sort of harboring all of your energies and all of your focus towards kickoff, yeah. okay, fast forward to whatever pregame activities you need to. But if you bring it for the team, we'll right. let that one slide, right? Right. We'll, we'll go with that. I think that's the most polite way you could put it there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we don't know who we're having on later on in this uh, pod. So we got to be friendly to all the people yeah. that enjoyed that tradition and the people that did not. Yeah. Uh, where are you on uh, 
where are you on things like um, play of the week, running the road, tangs, things like that? What stick out to you with some of those? Lo- loved it. All, all of them. Um, I, I can tell you so with tangs. Um, I, I hope this is seen as uh, flattery as opposed to sacrilege. Um, so my first full-time teaching and coaching job was at a school called St. Andrews in Savannah, Georgia. Um, so I came in summer before the school year, working with the football team. Um, so that year I was, I think I was coaching wide receivers and DBs. Um, and I would have been 24. So this was a school that had had some success and they were sort of, tra- they had had some traditions, not some traditions, um, but one of the first things I did sort of to get things going was just sort of taking tangs or the, just the whole bus camaraderie chanting, whatever, and getting stuff going down there. And it's something that, you know, two years later, when a couple of kids, you know, I had coached as, I guess, juniors were graduating from their senior year, they still remember to and try to get me going with that. So no, I, all, all those things, I think that, for me personally, and even when I talk to my buddies, you know, who I went to school with and played with, um, we, we all still look back, you know, in, incredibly fondly upon them. Yeah. Paul Franklin, who was what, two years ahead of you? Yep. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he's an assistant coach over in the DC area at the yep. Murray school. And he, he was talking about all the traditions that as soon as he showed up on the scene was just trying to implement as many of them as he can. <laughs> and, and you have to do it. You know, like I said, you do it in this way, um, there, there, I'll be honest, there's a little bit of sort of like, you know, superiority in terms of I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I have all the good traditions. I just want to share a little bit of the wealth with you guys. But then at the same time, you're trying to make it their own, you know? So we were, we started off, we were the, the saints when I got there, St. Andrew's saints, like, all right, we got to get some saints things going on here. But then there's still the part of me, sort of the egocentric. I'm like, man, I feel bad. You guys don't have one tenth of, you know, the, the traditions that I grew up with here. So when you started at that school, how do you know how long that head coach had been there prior? It, it was an interesting transition because there was a coach who, um, and I, I don't want to, you know, I'm going I'm to get this incorrect here. Um, he was either in his 70s or close to 80 who had been somewhere else, but then came to St. Andrews. That he, my first year, it was the year he had stepped away and uh, I think he'd been the previous D coordinator stepped in to be a head coach. And, and he was somewhat proximate in age to me. He may be late 20s at that point, around 30. So there's sort of this transitional year right there. Interesting. So that's where some of those traditions were not yet sort of ingrained in the program. Right. And a perfect time for you to show up and bring ones that you appreciated. Right. During your time. Okay. Yeah. Any other, uh, any other traditions that stick out or any other, um, sort of things you remember from game week or game day? Cause you were still a part of the Saturday afternoon home contest experience. Yeah. I mean, from things like you said, running the road, um, I loved, I loved pregame breakfast. And when I look back at it, you know, it's funny, a regret that me and some of my buddies, my same grade talk about is say our freshman year. So we ended up regular season nine and one, uh, lost second round of the state playoffs. There was no shot that we were going in any of those games. No, 
you, you could have had, you know, 10 people in front of us at our positions get injured. We would have quit the game before we were going in those games. But in those morning breakfasts, we still would sit there in our own naivete. We, we wouldn't eat too much because we're like, oh, I don't want to get too full or whatever. I'm sitting, I'm sitting back now. And I remember when uh, Adam Weinberger, they had, they had team breakfast catered by McDonald's. And I'm sitting here now and I'm like, I should have gone to town on those hash browns and breakfast sandwiches. I was too concerned of being too full in the game, which would affect my performance as 10th on the depth chart as backup to the runner on kickoff uh, that I didn't fully embrace though, the, the team breakfast. Two things on that. I think that speaks to the upperclassmen though, when you were young, that you understand the gravity of this contest you're about to go into. But then I think it also speaks to you and your classmates in all of your immaturity and youth of uh, your first years in the program of, I'm not there yet, but I know this is important and I know I'm a part of it, even though I'm not crossing the lines to get onto the field once the yeah. game starts. Right. So um, you mentioned Tangs. Were you, uh, for for the people listening, were you much of a uh, orangutan giver or were you more of a listener and a second uh, sort of second degree interaction with them? So as I matriculated grade to grade, I started off as the kid who was sitting down, I guess we're going audio only, in his seat, thinking of the best one he could possibly come up with, waiting and waiting. Then I'd start to go, then someone else would shout <laughs> over me, and I'd sh- shrink back down. Um, I, I chose to sort of adopt the posture of when I tanged, people would listen. So it wasn't about, it wasn't about you know, quantity as much as quality when I would join in. Yeah. I mean, you've been on the bus where you just hear that one or two voices that are like going every third one. And it's like, it's watered down to the fullest. And then there's the occasional, like when you hear that week five, first time you hear that person's voice and you're like, Whoa, ears perked. Who is this? Right. Hey, that one was pretty good. I can, I can remember, uh, I can remember sitting up at the front of the bus as an assistant coach. And so you got the sophomores or the freshmen sort of just a couple rows behind you. And inevitably within the first sort of 10 minutes or so, you hear the whispering and the whispering starts to get louder. And then you start to hear all these voices like, do it, say it, say it, do it. And they're trying to basically get that one underclassman who's willing to sort of take that on. And it might be sending the pig to the slaughter, <laughs> yeah. but just go get a sophomore tang or a freshman tang going. So let me ask you this. Let me flip it on you here. Cause now, now I'm interested and I'm going to come back with you with a name that that's going to come out here and people listening to their love. But as a coach, what, if you remember who is the player who you're sitting up there and probably at first you're like, who the heck was that? Who was the one who came out of nowhere? The quietest guy that when you heard it, like you were just dying up there. Um, football season, 2009. So class of 2010. Okay. And his name was Linus Falk Yeeter, And he was a, um, oh, I, th- I think, uh, I, I think, uh, younger brothers or relatives might be in the high school now. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with any siblings or relatives, but he was a, um, freshman, yeah. New student. And he was by way of 
one of the Cleveland Heights middle schools. I don't know if it was Roxboro. Let's let's say Roxboro, but it could have been Wiley. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and so this would have been probably his junior or senior season. So like the 08 or 09 season. Yeah. And we're coming home. I think it was from the Streetsboro scrimmage. <laughs> and so early on. Right. And as a German, he breaks out with a full German language tang. <laughs> no one on the bus had any idea what he said other than knowing how to match up the rhythm yeah. of, the, of the tang. Yeah. And when I tell you that the roof of the bus almost peeled back <laughs> from the reaction, I mean, yeah. that is not underselling it. The yeah. place erupted yeah. and it was like, um, Linus is doing every return trip after a W. Yeah. Yeah. So that that to me is fantastic. His classmate, um, by way of the same Cleveland Heights uh, middle school, Miles Simmons. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I know the name. Yep. Yeah. So Miles uh, now working for Pro Football Talk. So yep. uh, super congrats on the uh, promotion just a couple months ago to him on that one. Um, Miles had an amazing voice. He was a performer okay. and uh, he loved Motown. And he would break out a tang about a halfway halfway point back to school. And it would be set up so that the rhyme fit right into the perfect sort of chorus line to a famous Motown song. Uh-huh. And everyone in unison would join it after he would sing the first line. Yeah. And so that group was a lot of fun. That group was um, high energy in every aspect. Um, a super tight group. You had German tangs at one point, you had Motown tangs at the other. I mean, it was just uh, those two guys who happen to be classmates probably stick out to me more than anyone without thinking about it a little bit more. See, in a sense though, then that class was visionary because Hawking now, you know, we, we are all about the plurality, you know, this sort of multinational everybody. You had that right there back in only 2009. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Nice. Uh, We are going to go ahead and pivot and we're going to go ahead and start to do a little junior season review for you. Okay. So um, like I said, prior to us starting, you can touch point on it as many games as you want highlights, uh, things that stick out for the good or for the bad. Yep. And we can sort of work our way through as we lead up to your senior campaign. So um I'll go ahead and start off and talk about how um, that was a seven and three season. And we started off in a week one game at Oberlin. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did we put up 28 in the first eight minutes? Was it? Uh, it was 21. And I think Oberlin still gives thanks for the thunderstorm that rolled through oh, that yeah. day because we, we actually drove out further one way than we actually played game time. Right. The game went on to a lightning, uh, thunder, lightning, thunderstorm uh, yep. delay. And their coach really quickly on, he claims it was because he had a good radar, but he was like, yeah, um, I think we can call this and uh, you, you guys will get the win and we don't need to have you come back tomorrow. Yeah. So it was, did we get through the first quarter? I, I, no, I, no, I don't, no. I don't think so. I think it was like maybe halfway through the first quarter and it was 21 zip. Yeah. Now that that was a game, you know what's funny? You want to talk about this? Talk about games that are shortened. Um, 
that was a game, say for Matt Corn, because I think he took a kickback and had a run. So, he did. so 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 any any guy, you're you're in a game that lasts eight minutes or less, it's gonna crush your per game averages. Well, that just shows you what a freak he was. That that his average, he was able to amass in those eight minutes enough stats that it kept his per game average for the whole season like that high. You know, that was incredible. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about what, probably six touches he had. Yeah, right, right. It yeah. probably what it, it was it was one of those, you know, it goes back to like a like a Reggie Bush at USC. He had, you know, he had six touches. One was a kickoff return for three touchdowns in in eight minutes of game time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've mentioned uh I've mentioned Matt in in context to a lot of other stories with other people that have been on the pod. But yeah. I mean, his name is all over the top 10 list uh, yeah. within the Hawk and football game records, season records and career records. Yeah. Um, his name is going to come up as we're continuing to talk about your jun- junior season review. I'm yeah. curious, what what do you think of when you look back on Matt, the football player, whether it be offensively, defensively, or whatever? When I think about him, I guess, um, you know, he, he was such a dynamic person that it's not like, you know, it's, he's, he's not like some people who, in a sense, are a caricature of themselves. Um, I'd say he was one of the, the kindest, um, you know, most supportive teammates you could have um, in that he was still in his own way, as intense and as driven as anybody. Um, But he was also the type of guy who, as you mentioned earlier, you know, if you watch him work, you watch the way he approaches things, he's a leader by the way that he goes at every single rep, every single day. Um, and, And I think that all that did was just garner respect for him from, from anybody who knew him, whether that was coaches, opponents, teammates, um, just, just somebody who I would have to say would be as respected um, as, as anybody I played with. That's a good summary of Matt. Um, from a physical standpoint, I don't know if I've seen a ball carrier for Hawken have the balance that he did. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, strength through the tackle yeah, and just acceleration. And you put those three things together and it's just, it's, it's a phenomenal thing to watch. Yeah. So one and oh, eight minutes into the season and uh, week two, we head over to hunting Valley for that yep. uh, week two contest against university school. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up there. So I can tell you this. I don't know who was carrying it at the time. It might have been Sports Channel or some access thing, but we're the we're Adelphia the, or yeah. <laughs> local shout cable, out, whatever. Shout out to Adelphia. Um, we were so we were the game of the week that week. Uh, you know, Saturday afternoon, uh, hot day. So so we go over there, um, and, and it's funny because I think I've sort of developed it even further now coaching. But, but I can remember series. I can remember game scenarios. You know, I can remember uh, Frank Frank Tupta, uh, you know, uh, uh, ended up being, I think, net 80-yard punt. Back. Um, I do remember that. Yeah. So, yeah. so, we, so we ended up 
um, we were having trouble outside that, after I say with the punt there, um, with our, our kicking game. So, so failed to convert on a couple of extra points. So we got down and scored late and opposed as opposed to now, now you're going to, I'm sure you have all this year, but let's see how much I remember as opposed to kicking the extra point. We actually took, I believe we took the delay of game, decided not to kick the extra point and then went for two. Um, and if I'm looking at it right now, I think we went eight, 10 slant with Steve Cavanis as the X. And so now with the five yard penalty, I believe, we're at the eight as opposed to up at the three right there. So, so it's longer. So, so I remember dropping back, um, you know, giving it a little bit more time and trying to squeeze it in there um, and, and just not, not converting there. Um, so that's something that I, I still, I still think about a lot. I actually have a picture on my desk at school from that day. Um, but, but I'll tell you this, what I remember even more and and so I still wasn't 16 yet. I remember coming home. Um, no, I was, I was 16. I remember coming home. Um, they had the replay of the game on and I forget if it started at eight or nine at night, but I remember going down to the basement in our house, sort of turning out the lights in full teenager, you know, uh, melodramatic mode. I got a large, pepperoni pan pizza from i believe the the cedar and lee pizza hut went <laughs> Co- down, coupon or no coupon no coops nope um and went down there and and watched the replay of this and, and it's you know even more cliche you know the ending because you just lived it whatever six hours ago um still but, difficult to watch still oh, so difficult there are games that we there are games that we have lost in uh, my time as a player or as a coach or even yeah. as a, a kid around the program. I can't yeah. watch the ending. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember it was, it was just so it was so difficult um, because it was like, man, I thought, you know, it did all right. had done some things. I thought we played well in some ways. Um, but, yeah, that was, you know, knowing what that rivalry meant and how ingrained it was. And then having been a part of success freshman year, then sophomore year, for now, first of all, getting a loss week two wasn't something we were used to. But to lose for the first time that rivalry um, and being a part of that last play, it, man, it was, it was tough. It was crushing at that time. That's a playoff team, university yeah. school that year. Uh, they actually with, won there. With a guy who had a, who had a you know, cup of coffee in the league, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So – um, just as close as close can be a 25 to 26 loss. Um, yep. and then week three, uh, back-to-back rivalry games against, uh, Gilmore now yep. Gil- Gilmore ended up also being a playoff team. Uh, but what do you remember about that 28 zero shutout week three, uh, at our place? So Gilmore, I think, stands out less because it was coming off of the heels um, of that game at U.S. Another thing with, with Gilmore, you know, and I guess as we'll get into a little bit, um, that year is for me to that point, the, you say rivalry. Honestly, I didn't really look at it like that too much. Now, the whole complexion changed my senior year. 
when two of our starting, you know, two-way starters ended up going over there. But that year, I don't think any of us really perceived it as a big rivalry. I, you know, I know that now Gilmore's athletic programs are are incredible across the board. But at that point, we we didn't. I don't remember feeling that was a rivalry. The rivalry there was week two, and then that was the next game against another team that was close by. Yeah, so it's interesting because the way alums talk about the uh, rivalry games, U.S. is always number one. And the Gilmore game, I guess, kind of is dependent on how the competition was when you were there. And so for you guys, you were kind of rolling through victory after victory on them. Uh, Coach Brandt, Aaron Brandt, also the exact same way was like, it's kind of just U.S. and that's about it. It really hadn't started with Gilmore. Uh, when I was there in the 90s, mid-90s, um, Gilmore was a big thing. And yeah. uh, there was also something else that happened off the field at a uh, <laughs> uh, at a girls' basketball game during halftime between the student bodies that kind of led to a little bit more uh, of sort of that rivalry getting going. Um, yeah. So uh, it's interesting to hear kind of who, who does and who does not have Gilmore in that, in that rivalry category. Yeah. Uh, also, that was the beginning of Bob Spicer being over at Gilmore as their head coach. Right. So right. who, by way of also being Hawkins head coach for a handful of years um, in the transition to when my dad took over the program in the late 70s, early 80s. And, and I don't know when, but you had him. You also had Tom Bryan over there as well. So you had like, you know, exact uh, same time, pretty much. Yeah strong Hawking presence being over there though. And then like you had mentioned, two of, uh, two of your teammates uh, ending up over there as well. Um, in Eric Tupta and, Eric, and Matt Wiseman. Um, right. So four, four people with very strong ties to the school who end up over there and are a catalyst for the success that they have. Yeah, And I think uh, we're a catalyst also for why the rivalry tipped for several years in Gilmore's favor. Um, and uh, they were they were an absolute force to be reckoned with for a handful of years. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100 percent. I think when when those guys, you know, when Matt and Eric went over there, then that next year, because I remember going to games even after our season ended, um, you know, that that team right there was was stacked and they were set up for a couple of years and that's what really in my experiences got that ball rolling for them so one last thing on that game um so bob spicer brings his gilmore team over it was supposed to be played at their place as i remember but they were getting their turf put in I, so, okay now that you say that i do remember so, that. so they had to give up their home contest so yeah. it was going to be at our place And it was kind of one of those things. I don't know if it was interesting going into it as much as it was interesting sort of in retrospect, looking at it, but seeing how my dad was going to coach against the person who was the head coach when he arrived and sort of seeing how that was going to be. And so, as I mentioned, the final result of the game was 28 to zero. And I remember assistant coach Ken McClintock, um, it might've been that year. It might've been just after the year talking about how that was the kindest 28 to zero um, victory that is, that has ever been given. Um, I think there were a couple of moments later in the game where Ken was thinking we could easily put another one or two on these guys, but it was definitely pulling back on the uh, reins and, uh, 
the game wasn't never in doubt. And it was like, let's let them just leave with a uh, four touchdown loss. Yep. Yeah. Uh, week four, staying at home. And uh, this time we got the Chagrin Falls Tigers coming to town. Um, a Chagrin Falls team that has a couple of uh, big names on it. Yep. No, so I, I, I remember the name. So we can, uh, not to give them any free advertising. So we had <laughs> uh, Brandon Lombardi coming in. Uh, I believe dad, owner or manager of the Dave's Cosmic Subs downtown Chagrin. Uh, do you have a favorite sub at Dave's? I'm a crazy Dave guy. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so they they had him, I believe, that year. Uh, Brian Rubisky would have been a sophomore, I believe. Yeah, Terry Rubisky's son, who was a wide receivers coach all the way through the NFL, and had a stop in uh, Cleveland uh, as our wide receivers coach as well. So he was um, he was a member of that team, Brian, and then he went yep. to Ohio State after that. Brandon yep. Lombardi was a running back and. Played some linebacker too, but running back was really where he made a name for himself and ended up at Purdue. California University, Pennsylvania first, I believe. Yeah, and then had a little bit of knee trouble. Yep. So his uh, college career never really took off, but uh, they they had a little stretch, not to get talking about too much Chagrin Falls love here, but they had a stretch where they had back-to-back running backs in Sean McHugh and yep. Brandon Lombardi, who dude, the, the news herald just was like, yeah. their, their stats were like slot machines just ringing over and over with yards gained. I mean, I yeah. think both eclipsed 2000, at least one season, if not two. Well, if you remember that game, that was the game. So Brandon, uh, I almost want to say first quarter. I can tell you which way they were going. They were going north on the field. We were on defense. Um, non-contact towards ACL, MCL in that game. And I, I think it was – I thought it was first quarter. It might be second quarter. Um, that's that's that's. It was we, first half. Yeah. And Brian actually followed up. Do yeah. you remember that? He hurt no. his knee as well. No, I, I, I don't remember that. Yeah. We, you know uh, – Lombardi was such a focal point in terms of our defense that, that when that happened, it was more like, wow, like we, you know, how much time we've we been spending just watching which foot he grinds into the, the ground on the backfield, trying to anticipate, are we going right? Are we going left? What's going on? Um, yeah. Yeah. So we were going into halftime and I, I want to say it was maybe somewhere in like the 20 or 21 to, to seven range maybe. Yeah. And it kind of felt like, oh man, this is, this team is tough. And then he injures himself and going yeah. to halftime and it's like, they're down a guy right. now or two. Let's, uh, let's go. Let's see if we can win the second half. And, uh, yeah. fell a little bit short ended up losing 27, 13. Yeah. Um, so we have week five, we have orange and Berkshire two one win teams. Um, I don't know if you have anything that sticks out from those contests. I really don't have anything. You know, you know, um, so, so the, now I'm trying to think where, we, so orange, orange was down after a couple of years of being pretty big. Uh, they, these guys who played football and ran tracks. So I remember seeing them spring and fall. So, so for them to be down was sort of a change for us. That was also about the time <laughs> you're ready for this, uh, where they transitioned from Detroit lions on the side of their helmet to Oregon. O's. To the O. Yeah, sure. So I remember thinking that was pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> Berkshire, uh, that junior year. Now I'm trying to think of who I was with. So that was at home. And I just remember for that Correct. one, 
I remember that being nice because we didn't have to go out there to, to, to that field with the people who had the backyard tailgate. And we had to do that the next year, but just being able to stay close to home was, was good with that one. So neither of those games were very close. Um, and then we have senior year, Matt Corrin against Grand Valley. Yep. So the last, uh, the last hurrah for him against, uh, sort of the, where he grew up. That was Grand Valley. Was that was that was uh so junior year. That was a 35-14 victory for us. That had to have been home too, because I think senior year we played away. It was, it was a home yeah. contest. Yeah. So um so 35-14, we go into week eight and we are at Kirtland. Yep. And uh, a lot of points scored. That's a 48 to 21 contest. Yep. Um Week nine is at Newberry. Right. And back to Matt Corn for a second. I have uh you you know, you talk about you talked about Matt earlier, and I would say that this game kind of after the fact typifies Matt because he's a competitor, he works so hard, uh, he wants to do everything he can for his teammates, and yet as I recall, he had a really bad first half holding on, holding on to the ball right two or three four. no he's putting the ball on the yeah. ground yeah yep yeah so he had you i think you're right i think it was three fumbles and he yep. might have even had like a fourth one that he recovered yep but he had some serious ball security issues and anyone else i mean chin on chest tail between legs just yep. feeling awful and he was so upbeat about it, not like it didn't mean anything to him, but hey, keep having trust and faith in me. Yep. Um, I'm not going to let you down. And he cleaned it up and he did not uh, he did not have any other issues in the second half. He had a monster game, obviously, uh, running the ball. But that to me sort of sort of stands out as the type of competitor he was and yep. the type of person he was where he tried to keep it always on the positive. Yeah. And, and I can remember, so so two of those in the first half, um, one was a 17 sprint run. And it was one where I remember coming down the line and the way they were playing it, um, it, it you know, now thinking back, it was probably, you know, something about it was that they had a blown responsibility, but the corner, the corner was the only one who sort of was their edge defender right there. So the corner came down and, and I pitch it out to Matt. Well, so now Matt come in, They've got a safety trying to come over the top. You're never going to come over the top on him there. He, he gets, it takes two or three steps and it's like just straight through the wicket ends up fumbling, you know, comes up to me. No, no big deal. Then we run uh, to the other side, no, another sprint run. Now this time he's got a couple guys coming at him, but I remember that two of those fumbles were off of, you know, sprint run our, our option series. Um, and him just coming back to me and saying, Hey, you know, keep going. We'll, you know, you know, we'll get it. Don't worry about that. And it's like you said, I, I didn't for a second, you know, if, if we can't draw strength from this guy, you know, we got no shot. So, so there was never a hesitation or never a moment, I think, where anybody's faith in him faltered. It was kind of a rainy game. Yes. Yep. Uh, I, be I believe he debuted some, like, black neoprene yeah. elbow, <laughs> elbow sleeves. Yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. And, af and after that yep. second one, just rips them off and throws them at the sideline. <laughs> You got to be careful mixing up uh, mixing up the equipment uh, that late in the season if you're not used to it, right? 
I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. You came up with the neoprene sleeves and I wasn't the one who remembered that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, it's like showing up uh, week 10 and as a wide receiver rocking uh, receiver gloves for the first time, right, you, right. you got to put a little time in and get used to them. Yeah. So, so week 10 home game, Cardinal. uh, six and two going into it. And there was definitely some, our playoffs still a possibility. Uh, I would venture to say this was Cardinals best team that we've ever played. Yeah. Um, strength upon strength everywhere in the yep. trenches, big physical and really tough to block. Yeah. Uh, their slots and quarterback fullback, just yep. super athletic, super tough. Um, you know that with with playing Cardinal, you're not going to get soft kids. You know, even yep. if they're kind of struggling and not having their best year, they're always going to be tough. They're always going to play uh, play a physical. Yeah. And so that game, uh, like I said, is a home contest. It ends up being 35 to 21 at the end. I think they put one in late on us. Um, that was, that, that's one of a small handful of games where, man, it feels like we just did not get any of the calls that we needed at all that afternoon. Right. I I mean, I, I remember that exactly. Yep. How many, how many phantom holds and just calls where you're like, what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. For, for me, you know, like, so, so that game and sort of the, there was a subtext to, they, they're always a tough team. And, you, you know, we, uh, I don't know, we, I mean, we always, always respected everybody we were going against, but for Berkshire Cardinal teams out there, there, there wasn't going to be a game that was not physical. It doesn't matter what the score was, they were going to be physical. Um, so, so for me, there was the subtext too, where um, <laughs> in, uh, in track, so, so I went into that game um, and it was in the 110 hurdles. I had won the CVC championship my freshman and sophomore years, but the second place guy, um, at least one of those years was a guy from Cardinal and he'd always be in my ear, this and that. And I was, I was not a very good runner. Um, it was just, I guess that's why they put me in it. It was a weak event at the time hurdling, hurdling in the Chagrin Valley conference wasn't as glamorous <laughs> as it is nowadays. Um, but I remember this guy I had this rivalry with also played football. Well, we had for the previous two years, it put it on him in football season and then same thing in track. So I remember after this and that, I remember there was a play, there was one, you know, we had like a 20, 30 yard run. Like you said, penalty called it back. I remember him kind of getting to my ear and chirping a little bit and we were always kind of good, but I remember sitting there right there and it's like, you're just kind of thinking like, how is this happening? Um, so that, that was, you know, that was tough. Um, for a team that had had so much success, three, three cumulative losses, first two years, you know, now again, seven, three is not a bad record, but, but to go down like that and then not make the playoffs was something that, that's also foreign to us. Um, man, it was tough. It, it was, uh, it was an experience that, um, me, me and my classmates had never had in Hawkins football. So we were like I said, six and two going into that game. They were nine and zero. Oh. They ended yep. up taking second in the region. Yep. Uh, we just finished outside of the top eight yep. who qualify. Um, from our spot to the eighth spot was 
just a single point. So we're yeah. talking about a cardinal victory that would have netted us um, enough points to probably push us up to the seven spot and put Gilmore down to the eight spot. So we would have actually yeah. jumped about four schools to get in. That's how clustered it was at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Tock almost got a 15 yarder that game. Uh, he right. was absolutely irate at some of those uh, calls that were being made. Yeah. So seven and three season, like you said, um, a good year, but coming off of the previous two, it almost feels like a letdown. Yep. And so we are gonna fast forward the off season, and we get to your senior season. Yep. So the 2003 season and you are by your teammates, you are elected one of the four captains. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would like to start off before we get to breaking down some of the games. What did it mean for you to have that honor um, bestowed upon you by your team? Uh, I mean, I mean, I think it meant everything. I think it meant, you know, really plainly put, it was a recognition um, of what you had done up until that point. I think that, I think that my junior year, I had been a leader in some ways, but that's sort of the confirmation right there. Um, and I think that increasingly there are titles and we see them around us all in life that are really ceremonial and don't, don't, have any substance to them? Well, I can tell you this. I, I I remember the guys who were captains before me, and I remember the guys who were captains with me, and that was something that carried a lot of weight. So so I don't think I don't think I sat and dwelled on it in the moment, but I can tell you that it was something um, that I did not take lightly, and I don't think any of us did. I'm looking at the uh, previous three seasons, the groups of captains each year. And it is a, uh, it's an impressive list of names that you had as captains on there. Um, I'm looking at the 2001 season and Sam McCreary is one of those names. And I'm just wondering if you have any recollection of that, uh, of that 2001 squad. Let Let me see if I can get the other ones. All right. Sure. Yeah. Quiz time. So Sam McCreary, um, it was Andrew Gray. Um, oh, what was Timmy's last name? Um, his sister was, oh man. Now I feel bad. Now he's going to listen. He's going to be like, Dave Murray guy's a jerk. Uh, Tim. And his, his, his younger sister was Alex. So Correct. Was, yeah. Like, so Tim Austin. Tim Austin. Yeah. So, so Tim, Andrew Gray, um, and then Sean Nelson was the fourth. Good. So that was your sophomore season campaign? Yeah. Okay. Uh, junior year campaign? So junior was Frank Tupta. Um, it was Scott Rolston. Um, was it then uh, Josh Gottlieb? Um, and now I'm forgetting one more. And then Matt Korn, who we've talked about a bunch. Matt, so. Matt, Matt Korn. That's why, of course, I forget his, him. Yeah. His name's been exhausted already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's, like I said, that is an impressive list of uh, players and leaders alike. I mean, we have vocal leaders there. We have um, sort of the do as I do. I will be the best sort of representation for this program by the effort that I put into it. Uh, What what type of captain did you see yourself as? 
You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think in some ways, I mean, I, I, I can tell you what I hope. Um, I think in some ways I, I was sort of a do as I do. I, I do think that I approached everything and worked pretty hard. Um, I, I think I had an all right balance at being a, a vocal leader, you know, um, but also with distance, I can also, I, I guess what's funny is I'm more, I'm more keenly aware in sort of maybe deficiencies I had as a leader and that's sort of the way I'm wired, then, then perhaps my strengths there. Um, but I, I would say, if you're asking how I sort of led, I, I would think it would be sort of by, by attitude, by the way I played, by not sitting plays off, by playing both ways, special teams. Um, I, I'd say that'd probably be the, the, the biggest way I'd describe it. And so you, as a quarterback, had to balance the pressure of that position with also the leadership position of the captaincy, uh, what would you say was the toughest part about being a quarterback? I think my senior year, the toughest part of being quarterback was probably being strong side linebacker. <laughs> I, I, I remember preseason, we went into the wrestling room and I'd been looking at these things for three years, the old kicker pads. And I went and I picked them up and I said, oh, these arms are going to be the freest they've ever been. And I remember Tak, who actually I just saw a few weeks ago when we played Sugar in. Um, I remember him taking them with one big paw, grabbing them out of my hands and you don't need these. Grabbing these things, they looked like, I looked like, you know, Bane from Batman, putting these linebacker shoulder pads on me. <laughs> And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, so I think that the biggest challenge for me was balancing quarterback with with also sort of defensive responsibilities as well, to, to be honest. So you have the one side of the ball that is nonstop contact. You need to right. seek out the ball. You need to destroy blocks. You need to get off blocks and get to the ball. Then you have the other side where you're trying to stay as clean as you can. Right. <laughs> And you're now the nail. You're not the hammer. So on right. defense, you're the hammer delivering all the contact. And you switch over to quarterback. And now you are the one who is receiving all of the uh, contact. I, I, that's an interesting uh, way to answer that question of what was the most challenging part about playing quarterback. Because you're thinking about making sure everyone knows where they're supposed to be, making sure you get the play. Yeah. Um, I think one of the greatest challenges of uh, the quarterback position is you are always in the spotlight. The right. light, the light is always on you. So when the play doesn't go well, whether it was your bad or so, you know, um, a combination of things, you have to get back into that huddle and body language. My goodness, body language is at a premium at right. that position, and I, I think that is that along with sort of the mental piece of it. Those those things are just. Those are difficult things, and some of it is you hope the kid has a little bit of that, and other thing, other things as an assistant you're trying to coach into, right? And sometimes it's a reaction to uh, maybe not the best situation, and it's like, hey, this is what you just did there. This is what we cannot do. This position carries a little extra weight to it, and you can't do that. You cannot let your teammates see you do that. I. I I think I was, you know, and I think that element, I was always good with that. But, but as we're talking about it more, you know, something I remember is, is, you know, not being the fastest guy out there, not having the strongest arm, you know, the way we tried to do stuff 
um, offensively. You know, if 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 we still had him, I, I I guarantee when when we would grade out ourselves in film, one of the things that I would always write to you when I was looking at myself and being critical is little things to carry out fakes better. Um, you know, um, read read this quicker, or you know, move through progression. But but it's little things like that. Um, it's like, yeah, I mean, everything is so magnified, especially going from freshman, sophomore, junior to our senior year, where we didn't have the huge talent or athleticism advantage. Every single little thing like that becomes so much more important. Yeah, I'm glad you remember the uh, those film evaluations from the games, because I believe you I think that was the first year I started doing that with the quarterbacks. And sort of going through um, each and every play and make sure to list uh, things that you did well, things that we can improve upon, things that uh, we just need to get better at and sort of giving you that context of how to watch film yep. with those things in mind. But then as we sort of move on to the next week and the next prep, like these are the things that in addition to the things I did well, like I got to make sure that I clean up and focus on. I'm glad yep. you remember that. I was actually up in... Uh, up in my attic looking through a box of uh, old stuff. And I came upon <laughs> a couple of actual copies of those yep. um, from the season. And I remember looking through them and being like, wow, that's really long ago. And yet I can remember working on these and giving them to you and talking through um, kind of where I came from with each of my comments on them for you. And, and I can remember to this day, the things I wrote down, you know, and I can remember things I wanted to do better, things I thought that I wasn't capitalizing on. And, and you know, it's one of those things now, again, coaching, I kind of, you, you do stuff like that and, and you don't know what percentage of athletes it's going to actually have an impact on. You know, you say something, 80, 90% of it just goes over their head. But I can tell you now, like that, that was sort of a vehicle for me to really engage introspectively with how I was doing things on the field. It, it, and it was extremely successful. I can, I can remember writing, make more plays with legs, you know, um, you know, very snap count stuff like that. I mean, and if things, those were things then I was very deliberate about trying to fix them the next day, the next practice, the next game. I can remember as I was working with the quarterbacks that year that I wanted it to be more than just like, hey, we're watching film after the game and whatever you absorb from that film session, that that was going to be it. I wanted to be I wanted to offer something different. I wanted to give you sort of that. I'm holding it in my hands and not having to remember and recall everything that was said to me on the fly of each play in each series as we were going through it. I wanted to give you that piece of paper that was something that you could return to. But then I tried to make sure that you um, you had something in it as well so that you were providing for yourself. Hey, this is how I see myself. And it wasn't just, Hey, how did you see me as the coach? How did you see me play this week? But I wanted to get it from your perspective as well and try to include that as much as possible, not just in the assessment and the evaluation, but then the moving forward with it, how are we going to, uh, correct and improve. And then as a coach, how was I able to support those, uh, those, uh, areas? Right. So 2003 season, um, man, what a tough out of the gate, uh, you guys had, um, I'm looking at it right now. We had three playoff teams right out of the gate. Uh, 
University School, Independence, and Gilmore Academy. And uh, those were three tough games. And starting off 0-3 and then week four chagrin going to 0-4. Um, I'm curious sort of where you were, your headspace was, and if you remember sort of where the team's headspace was, because my senior year as well, we started off uh, with a string of losses and it can wear on you. And as I recall, it's one of those things where it's easy to be like, Hey, let's move on from it. And we always use that term canceled check or the scoreboard says zero, zero. Let's, you know, go from here forward. But uh, it's a lot easier to talk about than it is to do. Yeah. I, I think that even with all of the success we had had in terms of wins and losses, the first three years, we, we still in that moment as players had an idea of which, which programs are consistently better than others. So there was some sort of perspective, at least on those first three losses and four losses. We, we, we knew that that wasn't losing to a lesser team. We knew that that was a strong program and that, I mean, I mean, just looking at the guys around me, we, we also, so my, my class um, was the smallest in terms of numbers um, that I could say of any above or any below. And I remember even coming up freshman, sophomore, junior year, knowing that I was going to come back to bite us. Um, looking at classes that had 10 to 15 guys, then we ended up with six, I believe. Um, so your class was the start of a stretch of yeah. just bad numbers where every four years we had at least one class of five or six. Yep. And there were one or two uh, four-year sort of windows where we actually had two classes that were small like that. That's yeah. tough. Yep. That is really tough to be able to um, keep a program competitive against really high quality opponents when you're dealing with a small grade level. Yeah. Like you guys were, yes, yeah, six. So we talk about Ben Abramoff, Alex Caulfield, Tom Murphy, Matt Widowson, and yourself. Uh, before yeah. we get into any other games, any uh, any special memories about any of those uh, senior classmates of yours? We also had so so Brian Kochi. Don't forget. Oh, Coach. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture here, and I don't I don't even see uh, Brian in it. So yeah, sorry. Um, My apologies, know, I, Brian. I think going back to yeah, he'd be he he's going to listen to this for sure. He'd be mad if I didn't throw him in there. Um, uh, shout out. I think he was like third team all state somehow. So, so Brian, there was a clerical error at some point in your, your 12 sacks or whatever. Um, but uh, no, you, you know, I think we also recognize the CVC schedule was upcoming. That was a better chance to get some wins. Um, you know, you know, it was, I mean, it was such a different experience than I had had athletically at Hawken. Cause you talk about Hawken was a, such a strong, consistently athletic school. Um, it, it, it was just a new experience. And I, and I know now, you know, you look at it like, you know, you're, you're put in this situation for a reason and you learn from it, you grow, whether it's the adversity or whatever. Um, th there was never a point, And I don't know if it's because we loved it so much, and we loved it beyond beyond the, the lines of the field, just what it meant to us. I can tell you without equivocation, there was never an instance where it was like, man, let's get this over, whatever. Um, it was more so, 
hey guys, we're not going out like this. Um, you know, we we all this success that we have felt and achieved these previous three years, you know, we still want a taste of it. Um, and, and I think I would hope from a coach's perspective, I think we continue to grind. I don't think there was any letdown. Again, it's very easy now to say objectively, we were a whole lot less talented. We had less size, we had less depth, um, but, but still the values of the program were strong in us and we were going to continue just like we had those previous three years. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I would say don't let anyone listening for a moment think like, oh, wow, that's it. That's a hard, you know, start to the season. I think uh, I think they were probably looking to see when that experience was going to be over. It was exactly what you just mentioned. It was about um, getting things back to where, you know, they were and where they should be. And with that mindset, you guys go ahead and you roll three straight victories in a row. Uh, Orange, Grand Valley and Kirtland. Yep. Um, so we're back to uh, three and four. Uh, we have two tough Geauga County opponents that uh, in Berkshire and Cardinal, two uh, back-to-back road games heading east down Mayfield. Um, and then uh, finishing out week 10 with a home contest against Newberry and uh, walking off that field, that home field for the last time with that good taste in your mouth of 40 to six and that final win of your uh, final season or final senior game um, thoughts as you, as that game comes to a conclusion, knowing that uh, you and your teammates probably not going on to play in college and just sort of kind of that retrospective feel of uh, emotions or where you kind of finish things up with, with your teammates. I think that I'm uh, a type of person for whom it takes time to process, to really work through something. So in that moment, you know, what I was thinking and feeling, the immediacy of sort of it being over, I'm sure was sinking in. Um, you know, when in, in any season as a player or coach, when you get to the end, you know, it's been a journey, it's been a battle, every single one's its own unique adventure. Um, it, it was, it was tough. Um, but then it was only with time, does it really start to set in and can you think about and reflect upon and appreciate sort of the, the whole view, you gain that broader perspective than just being in the end at that game at home with your family and friends of, of week 10, you know? Yeah. Winning, uh, winning week 10 is, uh, is a special finish to, to the season and to the career ultimately, because, uh, it does, it puts, it puts a good taste in the mouth as you sort of finish and, uh, you spend that time on the field, whether it's a home or away, uh, game and you get to sort of embrace those teammates and those coaches and those family members that have been with you and been so pivotal yep. in so many growth moments on and off the field. And uh, I can I can remember all of the final games of each of those seasons and just how special the week leading up to it is. And I guess yep. we get to I, we haven't talked about this uh, on the pod yet, but just going back to the final week of a season, what that looks like. We have a couple of yeah. traditions that sort of just show up there at the end. We have baby bulls, which 
is a uh, senior versus junior little uh, 10 yard, 10 yard line to goal line uh, competition or scrimmage. So your linemen play your skill position, you know, and your uh, skill players play your line position. That's a fun little finish. Think a senior handshake. Um, that is a, that's an emotional moment where those seniors line up on the back of the goal line by the scoreboard end and everyone starting with the youngest players to the next uh, youngest and then finishing with the coaches going through and just getting that moment to, uh, to embrace and give thanks to the players for their commitment to the program, um, what it meant to be able to coach and be around them every day for upwards of four years. And uh, to go from there then to in the field house for sort of that final talk. And then you have that final game. And uh, whether it's a win or a loss, just the amount of time after a game that you spend continuing sort of those gratitude moments to each other, uh, the sort of the encouragement from the older players to the younger players saying, hey, you're going to be something special. Uh, you guys are going to be great next year and kind of having those moments. And and uh, I just I think that week 10 of the season is just so special. And uh, it mean, it means a lot to me each and every year that I get to be a part of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, as you start, so now we're getting even broader, you know, in our conversation, but like, you know, there's, there's no bigger Testament to that and to the impact and everything, you know, then when you look at it in names that have already come up here, you know, people who've not now chosen later in life to, to make their life and part of their profession, this same thing, you know, you mentioned you and I, but then you mentioned Aaron Brandt, you mentioned Paul Franklin, you mentioned all these other people who have come through this experience and, and whether they consciously like thought about it when they made this decision or not have now chosen to continue on in a similar capacity because of what it meant to them. For sure. And we're going to get to a little bit more of that uh, topic in a little bit as well. Uh, Before we sort of close the book on that senior season, uh, do you have any good like uh, Michael Kish or Kevin Baldwin stories (laughs) or recollections that uh, that you want to share at this moment? I I do. I I can tell you you brought up Baldwin. I can tell you this. Man, what was it? We were uh, now. I feel like I've done really well in terms of remembering teams and games, but the team's gonna blank on me here. We were running uh, a storm blitz, so I was coming off as the strong side linebacker off the end. So Kevin Baldwin, uh, for those of you, you know, hopefully he's changed this, was probably legally blind. Um, <laughs> And, and, I was wondering if you're going to mention this <laughs> and, and would not play with glasses on. Um, luckily, but, but practiced most right. weeks with them. Right, so, right, so we're right. seeing this kid just be an absolute demon in yeah. practice Monday through Thursday or Friday be right. unblockable. And then games were like, man, what, you know, what is it about those bright lights that, you know, we're not seeing the same thing. Right. So continue. Cause I think this is where you're picking up. So, so I remember coming off the edge and I still, if, if you YouTube 2003 highlights, this will show up credit to Sean Bozen made the video. 
I remember, I forgot who got to the quarterback first, but it was a meeting of three of us, whoever it was who got the sack, me and Baldwin. Baldwin, ball pops up into his arms, holding it like a loaf of bread. I remember turning around. He starts going forward, and fortunately, he's going in the direction of the end zone. He's going to the north end zone. And I remember just turning around, sort of being behind him as he took it in for the touchdown there. So that that was one of those ones that was a, a fan favorite. In in the social media age, people would be people would be talking about that a lot. Uh, it would be a pinned huddle t- uh, highlight. Yeah, I, I was going to go with you. You want to be you want to be topical. The uh, the top shot for that moment would have been a really high price tag. <laughs> oh man, and uh, Kish. By the way, Baldwin five sacks his uh, senior year. Yeah. Um, so 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 Kish, yeah, Kish just uh, a character, you know. And um, sorry, sorry to interrupt. And led the team in defensive points by a half a point over uh, Bobby Locke. Eighty three mm-hmm. defensive points. That had to have been some 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 forced and recovered fumbles right there. Five TFLs, five yeah. sacks, a blocked kick, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, an interception, and that that touchdown that you were talking about. I, I he was, fills up the stat sheet, David. He, he does. There's guys for whom you say their stats don't come close to, to really capturing what they do. I, I think his stat line there does a great job of capturing what he did there, you know? Yeah. I'm just checking yours out real quick. Four TFLs, three sacks, three forced fumbles, that, three PBUs. There you go. The year I was the biggest beneficiary was actually my sophomore year, and I didn't start the first two games. I think I started at safety starting the third game. But, but man, I, I was Johnny on the spot picking up fumble recoveries. I think I ended up actually not even starting the first two games I was top three in defensive points behind Matt Corn, but it was one of those things. I'll be the first to tell you, wasn't because I was making all the plays, but I was I was that broken clock that was just right twice a day every single game right there. <laughs> yeah, we talk about Johnny on the spot, and there is a little bit of the uh, a little bit of luck, but there's a little bit of like I'm always in pursuit of where the ball is going, so I get yeah. rewarded for that hustle. Yeah. Um, you know, fumble recoveries, I'm thinking of like Cam Mazzone and Bobby Mallett, guys over the years that were just seemingly recovering almost every fumble that hit the ground. Um, interceptions, I mean, the Matt Wiseman game, was it against Berkshire? Was it Berkshire? Four, four interceptions against Four Berkshire, interceptions yeah. and should have had a fifth. Yep. Dropped a fifth. Yep. So right in right in the hands, yeah. Right in the hands. So yeah, there's a little bit of uh of that being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Did you have a Kish story? <laughs> I don't know if I have a Kish story. I, I I would say uh or Sam Bones. In 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 high school, I would say that there was probably no other person that I imitated the way they spoke and the way they talked. It wasn't just me, it was all of us more than him you know usually you got high school kids imitating a professional athlete or, or you know a comedian or is an adam sandler movie back then no we were we were we were speaking like michael kish and the michael kish vernacular um no, he was uh it was it was always <laughs> it was always always fun with him you know let's take a pause for this week's ask coach segment if you'd like to be a part of the ask coach segment 
visit the I Went Down to the River Instagram account, and there you can submit your questions. This week's Ask Coach question comes from John Hours. John wants to know, a lot has changed with the game since you started out in your coaching career. What changes do you see as good and which are not? Well, the previous question, I just uh, kind of referred to that a little bit because uh, way back, uh, it was everybody was really tight and they would just run, again, dive and off tackles and sweep and, and just pound and pound and pound. And then the game began, you know, run and shoot that I referred to uh, that we, we incorporated and that I had picked up at college. Uh, just spread it all out and pass the game a lot more and uh, – and I think that you, you look as that developed uh, through the years that more and more teams would spread out and then they went into the shotgun and all that sort of thing. But it was uh, – uh, I, I think that was just positive because it made the game a little bit more exciting for all those things. But uh, the things that are not as exciting as changes in the game is probably just uh, – and this is more on a collegiate or pro level, especially the pro level, is that uh, back in the day I'm used to watching that, that those games at the collegiate or pro level where they played the game hard they got back in the huddle every play and ran it, uh, you know, even going back into the Jim Brown era and all those people in the early decades. Uh, and now, now everybody's got to, whatever they do, they might gain three yards and they got to put on a big show and dance around and everything. It's like, come on, just get back in the huddle and get ready for the next play. But there's a lot of me, 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 look at me kind of stuff. And uh, I, I wish there was less of, less of that. That's why I, much prefer to watch a college game than a pro game because the pro games have a lot more of that so and now back to the interview (laughs) oh man all right so that will close that will close the chapter of uh your senior season we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna set up for our two-minute drill so we're gonna get some uh, quick fire here all right all right so let me get my timer set here so when when we get the trivia spinoff pod two, I want to hop on that. I, I feel like that, you know, I haven't looked at this stuff in a while, but I feel like I've got I've got a good good memory for these details. Speaking of trivia, were you a part of uh, Miguelito's trivia before uh, entering the health room for a uh, team dinner on a Friday night game? Were you a part of those at all? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Always, always. I I remember the clowns who'd get the question, and then they'd just be going back asking someone else. I'm like, no, that's not how you do it. All right, ready? Yep. Okay. You, me, Murph, and Widow play 33. Who wins? Uh, I haven't seen you play, but I'm going to go Widow just because when there's no fouls and no refs and a game is dictated by scrappiness, he'll, he'll outlast all of us. Any significance to your Jersey number? Uh, yeah, my freshman year, I went out 17. We had a uh, junior that time who was out of town, Duck Island, who came back, had 17. So I, I got rid of the one. Carreras. Yep. Uh, what are you closest to today? Your 40 time, your 800 time or your bench? Man, um, I, I'll go with both 40 and bench, but just because my 40 was never good. You are the first person to ever answer 40. That is uh, <laughs> not many people are going with that. Uh, could you diagram a play from your senior year offensive playbook? 
you tell me the book. I, I adapted our playbook. The highest I ever got as a coach was offensive coordinator. And our whole, our offense was sort of a derivative of the Hawken, um, you know, boot and shoot. Nice. We'll come back to that because I have a question about it. What makes good fudge? Oh, uh, I'm a butterscotch guy. Butterscotch and love. Sacrilege. We can come back to that too. Uh, can you name a song from your senior year game tape? Uh, I can tell you for after games, Victory by, I forget who that is, Ride or Die or something like that. <laughs> Probably one of your favorites. <laughs> uh, best player you played against? Um, Chris Hoos, quarterback for Wycliffe. Dude, no, he was good, man. Uh, biggest hit given or received? Uh, hit I received at Chagrin Falls my uh, junior year sent me to the uh, sent me to the urgent care room. Uh, most talented teammate. Um, I'm gonna go most talented. I'm gonna throw him a little love. We haven't gotten to him. I'll say uh, Matt Roth. Matt Roth. All right. And we are out of time. All right. Good deal, man. All right. Let's, uh, let's spend a couple extra moments on a couple of those questions here. Cool. All right. Um, you were talking about taking elements of our playbook to your first coaching stop. Yep. What was your, what was your favorite play? I'm a, uh, I'm a power guy. I love power. And when I was uh, calling the offense, um, for the varsity program, I yeah. look to do as many variations of the power as possible. And cool. I, I love that play. I love everything about, um, the concept of it, the blocking progression up front and just sort of answers coming off of it within the play, but also sure. the counter, the boot and the power pass off of it. I just, I love the power series. So I'm going to give you three answers. Uh, as a quarterback, it was um, sprint, run, stay. I like I like something mm. where I'm getting on the edge, get an opportunity to catch him, throw the deep ball right there. So uh, we are just just for the listener here. Describe what that looks like post snap. So so what you're doing, you basically have the optics of what most people call an option. So you're leaving the edge guy up. You're running an option. But what you do is instead of pitching it out, you set up and you almost take a three-step drop on the edge. That's correct, yeah. And and your edge guy, for us, it was our Z, coming in, faking a crack block. Then he ends up cutting upfield and you've got basically a seam route going. Yeah, so slant stay off of that look, yeah. Uh, That was back in the day where the perimeter could be as violent as they wanted on crack crack blocks and uh, sealing the edge. Oh my goodness. You didn't have to see the front of their Jersey as long as you were not behind the shoulder pad. Um, And there were some, there were some uh, meetings there between the wide receiver and the defensive player. Um, Fudge butterscotch. Really? I I meant, you know, I meant to say peanut butter, not butter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I can get behind that peanut butter. uh, I was looking at butterscotch, dude. I, I was always the guy. I would, I'd try everything. I'd go for the chocolate. I feel like the chocolate tended to be richer. Whereas if you're going um, peanut butter and you see, it's like peanut butter cookie dough. Um, just, just, you know, you, you can go at it all day. It's more longevity. Whereas you're going for chocolate, the richness, whatever, it's good in a moment. It's, it's like a filet, you know, there's a reason filets come in the sizes they do, but with, with, uh, with peanut butter, uh, you could just take it all day. 
Yeah, there were there were weeks where like the fudge would be the equivalent of like a pool brick that would sink to the bottom. It was so big. And you're like, I want like a tenth of this at most. It's just too rich. But peanut butter. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm going to I'm going to quickly here. Shout out to um, Mrs. Mrs. Murphy, Tom and Pat Murphy's mom. She she did her duty a few times over the years. And I got to say, up there with any fudge I've ever had. Incredible. So if we're talking about what what is up there in the upper echelon, uh, given all props to the Murphy family, um, I think you might have been connected to maybe the other end of the spectrum Uh where there was a uh, a uh, a week where you, I think, were responsible for the fudge. And it was I think it was bad. (laughs) I don't I don't think it's set. Yeah, I think it was like sort of uh, the composition of uh, a loose frosting. Brownie batter we going here? Like a a little bit. Yeah. Um, You couldn't even cut it. It was like trying to go to a body of water and uh, cut it. It, you know, no, there's no cutting it. Not nearly as viscous as one would want. Viscous. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, hopefully that's the last time that uh, mention comes up and you don't have to worry about hearing that ever again. <laughs> Good deal, man. Uh, so that'll be our two minute drill. Cool. A couple last questions as we sort of finish up here. Um, tell us a little bit what you're up to these days. So I am, uh, this is, I guess, wrapping up uh, my fifth year at Hawken in the high school. Um, I've taught math at the high school. Uh, every year um, and came back, uh, as, as you mentioned, we mentioned the onset as the the girls varsity basketball coach um, and, and sort of developed into a role now where I sort of purvey over all girls basketball activities, pre-K through 12. Um, but those are main, main sort of gigs. How was that? Uh, how was that coming back to the school that you graduated from? What was that experience like? Uh going to a place you are comfortable and being familiar with, but then now being on the other side of the school piece? You know, that's the question I used to get so often. And, and I think my, my go-to response was always like, I was as surprised as anybody. Cause had you asked me five years prior to coming back to Hawkins, it, it wasn't ever in the plans. Um, no, I think maybe sort of my biggest asset in coming back to Hawkins is it's the third school I've been at as a full-time teacher and coach. So, so still being, you know, somewhat young, um, on the younger end of the, the median, um, I have sort of the perspective of these other schools to which to compare it as opposed to if I just come right back. But, but yeah, there was a lot of emotions, you know, it was, uh, it was re-entering to the school, but, but it was different enough. So I didn't feel like I was really entering, the school that I had attended in some ways, um, but also coming back in a capacity uh, that I hadn't been involved with, you know, not being, not coaching football um, for the first time ever. It was the first time that I had been a head coach of the girl of a girls basketball team. So there was also a lot of differences there. Yeah, I have, uh, I have similar uh, sort of feelings of the coming back. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't finishing up in college going, yeah, I know there's going to be a position available for me to come back and interview for at Hawkins. So it was by no means one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I will, I will be there. 
Um, I think it was maybe in the back of my mind, one of those things I might end up there at some point if the window um, is afforded to me. It just so happens that the timing was absolutely a blessing as far as when it became available. But the comfort, the familiarity, knowing people that were still there that were um, that were around when I was a student. And thank goodness they either publicly didn't admit it or didn't remember me as a student. So the the first time I went to uh, to a teacher um, in whose class I had just been, man, the biggest pain in the butt. So, so we're at one of those preschool meetings and I'm kind of tentatively walking up, kind of checking out, feeling out the scene. Uh, and they go, Oh, hi, David. It's good to see you. Two, two things were going through my head. <laughs> either, either this person has early onset dementia and, and, <laughs> and wants me out. Or there's just the slim, slim chance. I don't think it was, I think it was the former, not the latter. There's the slim chance that I wasn't as big of a pain and jerk as, as I had remembered. But, but once we crossed that threshold, I was like, all right, we're all good here. I can remember at the end of the summer, right before school officially started up, we're doing all of our opening meetings and we have that first large faculty one. Uh, and it's sort of like this rite of passage slash, uh, you know, friendly hazing ritual where every first year teacher has to stand up and introduce themselves and find something cute or funny to say about themselves. I was sitting next to you my year, right? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. But I remember when I, when it was my turn to, I was, I was like terrified of that moment. I didn't, I didn't even want it. I just wanted to like stand up and say my name and sit back down. Oh, me too. So, um, we talked about how you are the Varsity girls basketball head coach, uh, quite a nice season. Uh, was it sectional champs or was it? Yep, section sectional champs. This year. Sectional champs. Um, so congratulations on a on a good season. I'm I, I've noticed quite a few of your players getting postseason uh, perfume or accolades, perfume as we called it in football. That's what we call um, it too. Yep, you do. Oh, yeah. Look at you. That's awesome. So we call it perfume because it smells good. But if you get too close to it or you get too much of it, it can make you sick or it can leave a a gross taste in your mouth if you try to swallow it and take a sip from it. So that's why my dad always called it perfume. And we had the perfume board, which is still in the hallway opposite the trainer's room. And you would post all the clippings of, uh, of the games you, you've seen you, it. I've, I've got my i've got our perfume board yeah i did not know though that you referred to it as the perfume board that's awesome and that leads directly into my next con- question which is what connections or things do you draw upon between your experience within that football program and now leading your own program in a different sport i i think at a certain level it's it's, it's like everything you know you you develop your own identity and then you evolve in terms of coaching over the years. Um, Part of the reason, you know, why my path sort of there, there was like um, a divergence where it had been football and basketball, my first five years teaching and coaching. Um, I was very blessed to work with a head basketball coach who had coached, been a head coach at the collegiate level um, Anywhere we went, he was a court of the respect of anybody. And then the second school I was at, this is just where everything sort of comes together, ended up didn't have a football team. Um, And there was an opportunity for me to be a head coach in basketball. 
so, so that's why I sort of went that way. But but in terms of the things that I've taken on, I, I'd say everything, you know, um, I'd say that the way you approach um, your interactions with with each other, the importance of culture and chemistry. You know, we've touched a lot on uh, traditions. You know, you touched on in terms of our film evaluation, sort of this joint stakeholder, this collaborative nature and things. Um, and you just take that and you sort of mold it to fit your own personality. But but I would say that if anybody anybody who could objectively look at our program now and who's familiar with say the Hawkins football program, you know, it, it, it's not hard to to draw sort of those lines and connections to to almost everything that that we sort of set up as foundational when we were playing football. What uh, what's one of the greatest challenges of running your own program? I, I think greatest challenge. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's the the stuff that everybody deals with, like the the commitment, the time, the film, the scouting, all that stuff. But but I think the the most difficult part of it is that um, you know, for me now, basketball superficially is you know ninety ninety nine percent of it. But if you're a coach, you know it's not. If if football or basketball were 90, 90% of it, it would be easy. But what it is, is it's it's managing um, and sort of uniting however many, if it's 25 to 40 to 50 individual personalities. And out of those individuals, sacrificing um, you know, individual accolades, individual statistics, whatever, um, things like playing time. To, to get a group to come together for this sort of common and united goal, which is, which is what it is. You know, I, I used to, that, that year when I got up to be uh, an offensive coordinator in football, you know, buddies from back in the day who I played NCAA with, uh, I played Madden against, they said, I saw all oh, your running plays we did. You kind of adapted them. And the analogy I would always use is this. It'd be like if you're playing chess. Okay. And, and perhaps you are a very, very good chess player. But when you moved, when you moved that piece, say you moved your queen across the board, it was the perfect move. Well, coaching in high school, you move the piece, but the piece just rolls off the board and falls onto the ground. You can make the perfect call, whether it's, you know, a, a play, you're running a power counter, you're catching a guy who's cheating into this gap or whatever, or the perfect inbounds play. But ultimately it falls upon 14 to 18 year olds to execute. Which, which is, you know, which, which in, in lies, I guess, the, the variability of things. Yeah, so it's the X's and O's coaching them up and then putting them in the position to have the highest rate of success. Exactly. The, uh, the bringing together of different personalities and everything, that is such an important um, characteristic of a successful coach and a successful program because – Everyone wants to be like, oh, well, what are the X's and O's for that coach? How how well did they know the sport or what was their experience? How high did they make it right. in sort of their ladder of whatever sport they participated in? And those things, you know, they have their place. But right. being able to relate to um, the age that you're coaching and teaching and being able to bring them together, like you said, for that common good and to get 
to get your program direction clearly articulated and right. to understand why we're doing it this way and getting them to all move in the same direction and to not be working against each other in uh, construct. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Is there a phrase or a saying from, uh, from your time in the football program that uh, still rings true or maybe you bring to a practice or a game from time to time? No, oh, man, I, I steal so many phrases, <laughs> idioms. Let's know, hear them. Come on, give the credit. Whether it's uh, whether it's perfume, you know, we talk even even in my classes, we talk about putting money in the bank to take money out. You know, every love semester. that love that example of the ATM and yeah. the deposits and the withdrawals. And if if I don't work hard and put those put those deposits in, then when it's game time or test time if you're in the classroom i cannot withdraw yeah. from from it i have to put something into it in order to be able to pull from it i love that use that yeah. as well yeah uh, and, and i think that when you look at anything and you're trying to sort of stave off complacency or whatever it is just the idea and we'll have it up on our perfume board or whatever is just every single day it's as simple as get better or get worse I think that sums it up. Completely agree. Staying the same is not getting better. Exactly. Yeah. In in athletics, in life, what are you going to do each day to make this day better? Right. I like it. Yeah. Anything else? No, this was, uh, this is awesome. I appreciate what you're doing here. Uh, for me, you know, again, as a fan of podcasts, um, but just to be able to come back to, you know, to, to talk about this stuff, just to mess around. Uh, this, this has been great. I love it. David, I appreciate you for so many reasons. Um, for the time that you just, uh, dedicated to this conversation, I appreciate that. But more so than that, uh, the experience, uh, that we both got when it was coach player. Um, but then the friendship, uh, during that and after and upon your arrival coming back to Hawken and being able to um, be involved sort of year to year uh, in each other's lives a little bit more. I do value uh, uh, and I enjoy watching you from afar and the success that you are having with your program. And I know that it's only going up from here. So uh, David Murray, class of 2004, uh, I appreciate you joining on this trip down to the river and sharing the stories of your time and have a good one. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for spending time with us today. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, tell a friend and spread the word. And until the next episode, like my dad always says, good night, Irene.